Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our risen and living Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. God's word which we receive this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 14 verses 13 to 21 where Jesus fed 5,000 people in the wilderness just as he fed his people, uh, children of Israel in the desert in the past and just as he feeds us uh, with his very body which is the bread of life. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, We have here only five loaves and two fish. He said, Bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of the fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about five thousand men, besides women and children. So far the word of the Lord. Sanctify us by your truth, O Lord. Your word is true. What part of this account is most memorable to you? What part really sticks in your mind and do you take home? For a lot of people, what they tend to hear is they all ate and were full. That appeals very much to our earthly sinful nature. Free bread for everyone. And in fact, that's what most of the people who were there took away from it. Here's somebody who can give us enough bread to eat, make our lives pleasant and easy in this life. And they tried to make Jesus into their bread king. Somebody who would give them uh, the the riches of this earth. But really, <clears throat> what's most important to us comes much earlier in the text, almost right away at the beginning, and what we really should focus on is he had compassion on them. When I lived in India once, we were driving through downtown Chennai, and there was a, um, a man at the side of the road surrounded by a crowd of people. The man was obviously very injured, bloody, probably from a, a motorcycle accident. And I suggested to our driver that we should stop and help him, maybe take him to the, the nearest hospital. The driver responded that that was not a good idea because the police would assume that we were responsible and we could get into some, some trouble. Not helping was probably the smart choice, but I'm not sure it was the right choice. There's always good reasons not to help, and many of the reasons we have for not helping others certainly pertain to our text today. But our text reminds us that despite those reasons, Jesus had compassion. When the children of Israel were wandering in the desert, God had compassion on them and fed them with manna from heaven. And here in our sermon text, Jesus shows that he is the same God 
The same God who gave the children of Israel bread in the wilderness now again gives bread to his people again in the wilderness. But what's most important isn't the bread, but the graciousness of our God who has compassion on sinners such as us. What are some of the reasons not to help people? Well, one, and certainly one that the disciples point to in our text today, is, well, there's just too many. I can't really do enough. We can't really help out all these people. In the Gospel of Matthew that we read, this doesn't really come out as much, but in the Gospel of John, we're told that one of the disciples in particular even said, well, here we have five loaves and two fishes, but what is that among so many? And so very often the, t- the, task, the task of helping others can seem quite daunting, like there's just too much and there's too little that I can do. It's probably not even worth it. There's a pretty famous story about a boy uh, and starfish. Maybe you've heard it before. There's a boy walking along the beach and picking up starfish and throwing them back into the ocean. And an old man who was walking along the beach kind of stopped the boy and said, there's thousands of miles of beach, and uh, throwing a few starfish back is never really going to make any big difference. Well, the boy picked up one starfish, threw it back in, and said it made a difference to that one. That's a pretty good <coughs> story and a pretty important point there, but we have something even better in our text than this idea of, well, helping out one, at least it matters to that one. In our text, we have the promise from God that if we trust him, we can move mountains. But more than helping out just one, we can feed 5,000. Notice how Jesus includes the disciples. He says to the disciples, you feed them. He says to the disciples, you make them sit down. And it's the disciples who are passing out the food. The disciples don't turn to Jesus to solve this problem at first like they should, but they do show great faith, great trust in God's word. When Jesus says, pass out this food, they go at his command. Jesus tells disciples, you give them something to eat, and in so doing, he's teaching his disciples, and not only his disciples, but also us as well, that if we trust him, we can feed even 5,000. This is even one of the temptations uh, that Satan attempted to use on Jesus, isn't it? Jesus, of course, died for the sins of all people. All people are forgiven through his his death and uh, saved through his resurrection. But Jesus knew full well that many people would reject that forgiveness of sins, that redemption that he came to offer for us. And so Satan, when he appeared to Jesus in the wilderness, he tempted Jesus saying, look, Instead of going through all that suffering and saving some, you just bow down to me now and they can all, all the kingdoms of the world can be yours. There was that temptation to take the easy route that all people instead of just some. But of course Jesus rejected this. And even though we know it's only a remnant of the people for whom Christ... Christ died for all, but it's only a remnant who received that redemption. Nevertheless, for that remnant, that word of gospel is heavenly manna, the best food that we can receive. Another reason we have for not helping is, well, it's their own fault. It's their responsibility, not mine. And the disciples say this in our text as well, don't they? 
They tell Jesus, well, send them away. They can find their own food. There's no way we can help them all, but it's their responsibility to, to, for their own supper. But, once again, Jesus had compassion. This is often the way that we treat one another, right? Well, that's their responsibility. They should have been more careful. Well, they should take care of that themselves. And so we often say, like the, the disciples, send them away to figure it out for themselves. But Jesus never treats us this way. He never says to us, well, sin is your problem. You take care of it yourself, does he? He never says to us, well, you messed up. You take care of it yourself. Instead, he's always ready to help. Even when we've sinned badly, he's always ready to help those who repent and turn to him for help. We see that when Adam and Eve ruined God's creation from the very beginning, God didn't come down and say, well, you ruined it. You cleaned up your own mess. No, God said, I will send the Savior. And the people of Israel forsook God time after time in the Old Testament during the period of the judges. God didn't, and the surrounding nations would invade them. God would raise up judges. He would save them. Sin is our responsibility, but Jesus took responsibility. He, he had compassion on us and fixed our mistakes. Another reason we have for not helping, well, uh, they'll just abuse what I, whatever gift I give them. Uh, they'll just use it for things they shouldn't. And this is not something that the disciples in our text seem to be worried about. They don't mention it. But nevertheless, it is something that the people who receive the bread do. Having received this bread from God's hand, having seen this miracle where Jesus feeds 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes, instead of rejoicing in the compassion and looking to, to this man as the Savior from sin, what do they do? They try to make him their bread king. And when he won't do it, they turn on him. So they abuse the gift of God. They abuse his compassion for their own selfish purposes. But knowing they would do this, Jesus still had compassion on them, didn't he? There's that saying, no good deed goes unpunished. And that's not 100% true, but it is still often the case. They'll be trying to help people out, and either they are angry with us for helping, or they abuse the gift that we've given to them. My father told me times when he would go and bring food to people in need and they would throw it in his face because they didn't like what he was saying. Jesus knew full well that many people would abuse his compassion, his grace, and so do we as well. Jesus came and died and gives us the forgiveness of our sins and often our response is to say, well, Jesus forgives my sins so it doesn't matter if I sin." Instead of rejoicing in that forgiveness and seeking to, to live pure and clean lives and thankfulness to God, we take his gift and abuse it as an excuse to sin more. Paul reminds us how sinful this attitude is in Romans 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin in order that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Jesus, knowing full well that many of those 5,000 would end up turning on him because of this miracle, nevertheless had compassion on them and fed them anyway. 
And Jesus, knowing full well that many people would take his grace and abuse it as an excuse to sin more, nevertheless died for our sins and grants us his grace in his word in the Lord's Supper, daily forgives our sins uh, despite that fact. Another reason why we might not help is because, well, that's not what we're here for. And like all these reasons we've talked about, there is some truth to this as well. Jesus did not come down from heaven in order to feed our earthly bodies, but to save us from sin and to nourish our spirit with the word of God. And we see that Jesus does that continually in the gospel. The gospels emphasize the fact that Jesus preached the gospel. And even in one case where they were bringing many sick to him, and even though they were still bringing many more sick, Jesus said, no, I have to go and continue to preach the gospel. That doesn't come out in our gospel reading this morning, but some of the other gospels that tell us about the feeding of the 5,000 mention that first Jesus was preaching again. He was preaching the word all day long. And it was only at the end of a day of preaching God's word to these multitudes that now he does this miracle of feeding the 5,000. So Jesus knew his purpose in coming. The most important thing was that preaching of the word of God. But nevertheless, he still had compassion on them for their bodily needs as well, didn't he? There are uh, too many churches, unfortunately, these days that are too focused on earthly needs and they're in their desire to have compassion on earthly needs forget or set aside the word of God, that bread of life, which is the most important thing. We need to remember that that bread of life comes first, but that's not an excuse to neglect or to not help out with earthly needs as well. The Apostle John reminds us in 1 John 3, 17, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need that has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? God's word always comes first, and Jesus himself puts God's words first. He's here to bring that heavenly bread of life which nourishes our souls, which we receive this morning as well. But he also had compassion on their earthly needs. And he does the same for us as well. Seek first the kingdom of God, we're reminded, and then all these things shall be added to you. God first gives us that heavenly manna, that bread of life, his word, that forgiveness of sins, but we can trust him to provide all that we need for this earthly life as well. We arrived this morning, not physically uh, like that man I saw in Chennai, but spiritually a lot like him, broken and weary and bleeding, filled with the, the weariness of the sin of this world. We have come as beggars before God, and God, Jesus, has had compassion on us. He's fed our souls with that bread of life from heaven to forgive our sins and to strengthen our souls for the week ahead. The prophet Isaiah reminded us in our Old Testament reading, come and eat and drink that free spiritual food that is given to us at the Feast of the Lamb. He also is there for us in every earthly need as well. Amen. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.